And now, for your listening pleasure, The Blazing Defender Report, with your host, Travis Jones. And welcome, everyone, to a very special episode of The Blazing Defender Report. This is a show where I review comic books, I tell you what I thought was worth your money the past week, what you can say no to, what you can pass on the shelves. Money's important, right? Speaking of money, I've got a deal for you. Just for checking out the Blazing Defender Report, I got um, um, maybe might save, save you some money on something really, really cool. You guys know if you've watched the show that I get the subscription boxes. Well, let me tell you about one that's really pretty cool. Um, Loot Crate. Loot Crate's a monthly subscription service for the epic geek or gamer in your life might even be you be a great gift for somebody for christmas for a birthday or whatever you can do three month subscriptions you can do 12 month subscriptions if you do the 12 month subscription i think it's around 18 dollars a month i'm really not sure uh you get a really cool t-shirt you get a lot of of great pop culture things uh i've got a really cool Batman uh, can opener, uh, bottle opener, I'm sorry. Uh, I've got some great T-shirts. The T-shirts honestly are worth it for me uh, just because a good T-shirt is going to cost you 30 bucks, 25 bucks. I wear a 2X, so they're always a couple dollars more. And really, why are they a couple dollars more? Is there really $2 worth more material on a 2X T-shirt than an extra large? Give me a fucking break. Anyway, um, sure, Luke Crate's not going to like that too well. But there's going to be a URL in the show notes. Click the URL. You're going to get a, uh, a special code to save you some money on your Luke Crate, Luke Crate subscription. Um, like I said, for less than $20 a month, you get four or five items, four to eight items, I'm sorry, that include licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, unique one-of-a-kind items, and more. And that's true. Um, I did have a pop vinyl, or no, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, a pop, a Funko Pop head that was an exclusive uh, Loot Crate item. There's, there's, they have several, which really is really cool. I had a watch, it was called a stealth watch, and it looked black. It was real thin, and then when you pressed it, and you gave it a couple seconds, it did this little thing, and then the, 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 the numbers popped up, the time popped up, and you're like, what the hell? I mean... People, it was a kind of a conversation piece. People really thought it was cool. It's a, actually a decent watch. It still works to this day, and I got it in an early Loot Crate subscription box. So, um, very cool. Like I said, check it out. There'll be a promo code. Uh, I want to say the code is Giant Size Team Up because uh, we're on GiantSizeTeamUp.com right now. Go to Blog Talk Radio. You'll find shows like mine, like From the Helicarrier, DC Universe on movies, Marvel on movies, uh, just several different kinds of shows. Great shows. If you're a nerd, if you're a geek, it's a heroin den for you guys, man. Go there. Get high. Get high on all this nerd shit. Leave real drugs alone. Stay in school, kids. Okay. Um, now, happy late Easter, I guess, to everybody, for all the, the, the Catholics who watch the show, for all you pagans, you probably have no idea what I'm fucking talking about. It's cool. Um, and it's a very special day because it's my pre-birthday. Tomorrow is my birthday, the Blazing Defender's birthday. So uh, send all your 
stuff to to me everything that you don't want all your all your high value collectibles all your high value comic books i'll take them i'll find them a great home but no really uh welcome to the show guys check out that loot crate got a little housekeeping before we get to the comic reviews this is pretty cool i know a lot of you guys have waited a long time for this i apologize because it's mostly my fault uh, there was a little bit of mis uh, mis miscommunication between me and some of the groups. It's not a big deal. We've got it worked out now. I have a winner for the BDR Hero Call Creator Contest. Uh, it was basically a contest where you had to create your own superhero, at, but not anything from a DC Marvel Universe, not even like an indie universe. Need to be somebody pretty original. Uh, we got some submissions in. I even took some late ones just because there was some uh, some miscommunication between me and some of the other admins of the groups. It's all worked out now, and we have our winner, ladies and gentlemen. It was tough. I'm not going to lie, and I normally would. <laughs> I'll be honest. I'd be like, oh, my God, it was so tough, and he'd be like, man, these all sucked. Uh, this dude was the only one that was really good. This That was not the case at, at this contest, for this contest at all whatsoever. Very, very cool uh, entry by John Geiger, uh, a member of Comic Jacked. He had a great submission, um, and I, I want to read you his submission right now. Uh, it's very, very cool. His name was Coyote. The superhero's name was Coyote. His real name, Stephen Blackcop. He has, he has a little description. You can go to BlazingDefenderReport.com to see the entire submission and his, his artwork. Uh, artwork was not an, a necessity, but me being the, the probably the least creative person you've ever met in your life, I need that, that visual. So John provided that, um, but that, that's not what wanted. His description and his power set was really cool. Location, Salt Lake City, Utah. Job or title, he was a veterinarian. Origin of how he got his powers. Now, during a rainstorm, Stephen Blackhoff ran off the road and found shelter in an old cave. He found the remains of a skeleton that was wearing an unusual pendant. When he touched it, energy shot through him and knocked him out. He was given visions of a shaman who told him he was a mighty warrior prophesied to come and defend the people from evil. When he awoke, he had powers he couldn't explain and decided to put them to use as the vigilante coyote. Short explanation telling your story of powers, his agility, he has animal control, okay, berserker strength, he's a chameleon, escape artist, feral, has healing properties, gadgets, intellect, leadership, magic, marksmanship, omnilingual, power, he has power items, he's a shapeshifter, stamina, stealth, super hearing, super sight, super smell, super strength, Tracking, unarmed combat, weapons master. He carries a bow and has a collection of trick arrows. Also a tomahawk that can channel channel energy. And he can shapeshift to a wolf, coyote, bear, puma. Dude sounds fucking awesome. I mean, that dude would be a contender in any universe, Marvel or DC. Uh, power levels, 10 being the best. 7, he's a strength. Speed is an 8, energy is 6, mind a 7, endurance a 10, fighting a 9. Pretty roundabout, not godlike. Um, had a lot of had a lot of god-like submissions, uh, which were great. Some of them were really, really cool. But it's kind of like everything's a 10, everything's a uh, 9. 
it's kind of like Superman. Uh, I feel like Superman's a real hard character to write because people can't relate to him. What I liked about this was he was a veterinarian, and then he's obviously some kind of um, Stephen Blackhawk. He's obviously some kind of Native American. He goes into this cave, finds a medallion pendant. Uh, then he's in, embedded with these imbued with these powers, this power set that kind of fits him because he's a veterinarian. Probably has some kind of Native American background upbringing, which could maybe lead into story. I mean, when I read this, my mind was wandering, and I'm a huge Scout fan, Jason Aaron's Scout fan, which is about a Native American superhero or antihero, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so it kind of reminisced me of that. Totally different now because it wasn't the same at all. So great job, John. John wins the first ever hot box. No, it's not some kind of sexual thing either, you freaks. It's hot box. It's a Blazing Defenders subscription box, if you will. Uh, I'm going to put a bunch of cool stuff in this box. I'll take pictures of it. I'm going to send it to you, John. You're going to be getting it really soon in the mail. I've already got it. I've already got it tucked away. I've got your information and stuff. Congratulations, man. First ever Hero Call cre Superhero Creator Contest. That's fucking a lot to say. That's tough. That's fucking tough. Give me a break. Uh, great job, John. Uh, hope you enjoy the box. If you do, get it out there on social media. Tweet it. Put it on Facebook. Uh, do whatever the fuck you want with it, really, because it's yours. You've won it. You've earned it. All right. And you can go to blazingdefender.com, uh, blazingdefenderreport.com, and check out the whole submission, submission details. You can even see the little, the little, uh, the little icon that he provided, uh, which was really cool, actually. It actually made sense as I was looking at it. I was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's really cool. So, all right. Uh, that's, that's it for that. We, I just hosted my first guest on a show. I'm, it's a segment I'm doing called Meatheads on Movies. Uh, a friend of mine, training partner, uh, Big Sam, comes in. We, we previewed Batman Superman, Batman versus Superman uh, last week. I've went and seen it twice. Sam has seen it twice. We went together once. So we're getting ready to put a review show together. We got a lot of great feedback on the preview show. People are really wanting to know when we're going to do a review show. We're doing it Thursday. I'll have it out Thursday night, early Friday morning, I promise. Um, let me just say, fuck the critics. Now, you say, well, you're a critic. So... In theory, we could be saying, fuck you. Yes, you could be saying, fuck me. And that's fine. Um, everybody has an opinion. Just like my mom said, everybody has an opinion, son. They're like buttholes and they all stink. Maybe some of the best shit my mom ever said to me. Um, she's right. The critics have really hammered this movie. I'm going to tell you where I stand right now. I'm not going to give away Sam's uh, view, view of, the sh uh, the, of the movie. He'll do that on the podcast, but I fucking loved it. I feel like people that don't understand Frank Miller's Dark Knight are not understanding how Batman is. People are saying Superman, oh, he's the bright character, but they make him so dark. That's bullshit. Superman doubted human beings. He doubted humanity, and he came back because of us. He gave us life because of us. Uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the movie, sorry about that. Um, but we know he's not dead. Come on. So Superman, um, I loved it. I thought it was great. 
Great introduction to Batman. Great introduction to Wonder Woman. I won't say any more about it, uh, but there will be a spoiler-filled review coming Thursday. So if you haven't get out and see, get went out and see the movie, please get out and see it. Make up your own mind. You don't have to agree with me, but this is why I feel about an argument. If you can be refuted, if it can be refuted, if you can be factually corrected, then you were wrong. You had a bad opinion. It may have been your first impression. That's the reason I, go, I like to go see movies twice. Because I went and seen Force Awakens. Hated it, hated it, fucking hated it the first time I seen it. And I thought, I'm going to go see it again because I owe a movie of this magnitude that much uh, treatment. It deserved it. I went back and seen it a second time. Had a totally different experience. Uh, I really wish we would have did a show then. And, and then I could have talked about how, what I hated about the first time and why I was wrong the first time, the second time I seen it. So you can be wrong. It's fucking okay. We're supposed to be. And that's kind of what Superman comes to, to, to believe is that we are flawed. He's flawed. It's fucking okay. Okay, we live in a world and a society today that, you know what, fuck, I'm not getting into that shit. You didn't fucking come to hear me wax uh, philosophical. We come talk about comic book shit, and that's what we're going to do. But first, I had two gifts from listeners this week. Fucking amazing. I have to give mad props to Jason Jones. He went to a Comic-Con. He's an avid listener of the show, and he got me this. Signed by Mark Morales, who's the anchor this is a Steve McNiven art piece from Fear Itself, if I'm not mistaken. There's the, let me see if I can get it. There it is. To Travis, the blazing defender, Mark Morales. Very cool, Jason. Thank you, thank you, thank you. He knows I'm a big cat fan. Love, love, love Steve McNiven's artwork. I think it's fucking phenomenal. Uh, the anchor, Mark Morales, phenomenal anchor. Makes, really, makes Steve McNiven's art really, really pop. Thank you so much for that. That was awesome. And our very own, uh, basically our founder of the Giant Size Team Up Network, the founder of From the Helicarrier podcast, Charles McFall, uh, my podcast mentor. Um, You may think that I suck now. Before I met him, I really, really sucked. So thank you, Charles. He got me the Nightmare Batman from Batman versus Superman. You can see his goggle. Look, he's got sand on his face and shit. I don't even give in. I don't get into these. And when I find one that speaks to me that I think's cool, I got to fucking have it. I just got to have it. So Charles heard me talk about this on the air, and he, he got it for me and sent it to me. Thank you, Charles. I love him. We're going to sit him right here beside Nemesis Punisher, and they can sit there and talk about killing people and shit. All right. Uh, that's it for the gifts. So that was very, very cool. Now, uh, I, I had some feedback not too long ago. Like, hey, man, you're not buying any figures. What's up? The Blazing Defender broke? Yes, the Blazing Defender is fucking broke. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But our good people at the Disney store decided to have a sale the other day. And they had the new Civil War uh, Marvel Selects figures, which I fucking love. They're very, very cool. I'm about to show you two of them right now. I do have Cap, but he's put away. Uh, the other day, I went and got Winter Soldier and Black Panther because of the sale. Was buy one, get one 50% off. I got both of these for under 40 bucks. Cannot fucking beat that with a stick. 
So first, I'm going to show you Team Iron Man. Boom, boom, queer. Um, there's Panther. For all my audio listeners, I apologize. Uh, you can find me on YouTube if you want to get a look at these. I'll post pictures on BlazingDefender.com also. Here's what he looks like when he's out of the box. I'm a mint in box guy. Sorry, sorry, fellas. Every once in a while, I'll pop one out, but for the most part, they stay right here. But Panther looks amazing. They did a great job sculpting the costume, the outfit. He's got like this jungle backdrop that you can stand him on. Really, really cool. Now, this next one, I have the original Winter Soldier that came out. This is the Civil War Winter Soldier. Now, you're going you're gonna to do just like I did and go, it looks the fucking same. It does. The gun is different. The pouches are different. And honestly, I think this one's a little more detailed, as he probably should be, right? You don't want to bring out the same shit. But look how badass that motherfucker is. Dude, these are dope. They look great. They look great out and displayed. I'm still debating on to take my Punisher out. Big Sam has the Marvel Selects Punisher. He he ripped him out of the box, displayed him. It looks fucking great. Um, if there's one I break out, it's probably going to be Punisher, and I'll set him back here on the backdrop for you guys to check out. Um, but those are, that's it for the Marvel Selects. There's a bunch of those coming out right now because Civil War is going to be our next big movie that's going to hit. And... One second, sorry, I had to get away from my mic for a second. But, um, yeah, so check those Marvel Selects out. They're really cool. They're about 25 bucks. so for a really, really detailed, cool action figure, some look better than others, I will admit that. Uh, the Civil War ones look really, really cool, though. There's a Bleeding Edge Iron Man. There's an Ant-Man one, and uh, there's maybe a couple others. Uh, Spider-Man, there is a Spider-Man one. Um, if I see him out, I will get him just, just to have him. But So that's it as far as the toys go. But to answer to all your all's questions, yes, I am broke as fuck. But I still bought those two, and I wanted to show them to you guys. All right. Now, <clears throat> um, this show is about fucking comic books. It's always going to be about comic books. That's the reason I wanted to have a guest on and us do another segment. I don't want any. I don't want anything to be taken away from the comic book. That's the reason I got into this. That's the reason I do this. It's because of my love of comic books. Now, with no further ado, let's do this shit. All right, we're gonna start with DC books first because I've only only have two. This one has been highly highly waited for. Batman number fifty. Now, the reason this one's so sought after. And I'm gonna tell you right now, this motherfucker was six bucks, five ninety nine, six bucks. Now she's thick. From audio listeners that can't see, she's thick. Uh, they don't number the pages anymore, so I'm not sure how many pages. A lot of pages, a lot of story to tell, a lot of story to wrap up from the from the um, the Bloom, uh, Mister Bloom creature that basically is destroying fucking Gotham. Batman's been gone, uh, super heavy, part 10. So this is the culmination of a 10-part story, big, big story, this super heavy. Um, Bruce Wayne is back as Batman. Now, one of the reasons this was so highly, highly sought after is this is the last book with Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. Now, Greg Capullo, asshole being an asshole aside, he may be the greatest artist in my opinion, Jim Lee's a great artist. But there's an argument to be had. The greatest artist to be on Batman. Scott Snyder, 
maybe one of the greatest writers to ever be on Batman. There's an argument there as well. But phenomenal run, these guys. 50 issues uh, since the new 52 launch. So this book, people have been waiting for it. It's very bittersweet. It's a great book. But knowing these guys are leaving really sucks. But they're going to go on and do bigger and better things, I'm sure. But that Batman is better because of it. So I don't really want to give a lot away. There's a lot of story in here. If you've been following it, Bloom, this Mr. Bloom, this new character, he's crazy, crazy powerful. He's got these seeds. He generates electricity. He can give seeds to other people, kind of make them his minions. Batman's finally had to come out of the woodwork. Bruce Wayne struggling with himself on whether he wanted to be Batman anymore. Gotham needs him. He comes back. Gordon was bat- was Batman for most of this story, this run, nine parts of this run, basically. Uh, Gordon has basically hit the wall with Bloom. Bloom has kicked everybody's ass that he's came in contact with. The dude's almost unkillable. But we know Bruce. Bruce has always got a plan. So you've got uh, the Robins in here that make an appearance. Uh, the bat armors that Gotham had that were deployed to fight Bloom. Bloom has turned the armors against Gotham. I mean, it's just getting worse and worse and worse. You have big hero moments by Commissioner Gordon, who you think's down and out, but Commissioner Gordon's never down and out. The guy's a fucking beast. Um, he comes back to make a, a great, a great moment, a hero moment. Superman, or I'm sorry, Batman. Uh, has a bunch of tricks up his sleeve. It's really glad. I'm really happy to see Bruce back as the Batman. Uh, we've missed him. Gordon was great fill in, but not nobody replaces Batman. Batman gets some help this issue by some some people that you wouldn't expect to get some help by. Um, some people you thought were bad end up redeeming themselves, so to speak. But the art is fantastic. There's a great uh, uh, epilogue story with Gordon and Bruce um, kind of giving each other some shit. And uh, it was re- it's really cool banter between these two. But uh, like I said, a ton of story in here. I, I gave it a 7 out of 5. I know that IGN and everybody blew this book up. 9.5, it's a perfect 10. No, it's not. It's uh, Some of it's convoluted. And even though it was 10 parts, I still feel like they rushed some of the subplots. That's the reason you shouldn't have a lot of subplots in comics. Because if you can't wrap it up, and they had fucking 10 issues, um, then it all feels rushed at the end. It's like, okay, one guy who is obviously, he's working for Bloom, we find out. We knew Bloom had somebody inside the government. We find out who it is. And then, like, I don't know. He has a change of heart. Why would you have a change of heart now, dude? You're you're about to win. Your boy's about to win. Um, so it was all it just felt a little rushed to me. The art's great. The story's great. Uh, I'm not bashing it, but from what we've we've received from this team of Snyder and Capullo, I just I, I maybe I expected too much. Maybe seven point five motherfuckers. That's what it gets. Uh, is it worth six bucks? If you've read the first nine of Super Heavy, then yes, it is. It's definitely worth six bucks because you got to finish the story. It's a good, it's a good wrap up. It's a great welcome back, Bruce. Uh, thank you, Commissioner Gordon. Issue. So now, next, my stinker of the week, Deathstroke. Now that is the Batman Superman cover. Uh, a lot of these books had 
variant covers uh, with Batman, Superman, obviously, and Wonder Woman, of course. Some of them were bagged. DC, don't do that. Don't ever do that again. There, there was like three or four different covers you could get from the bagged edition. Like when I went to the comic stand, this was bagged. And it had like a generic, I forget what it had on it. Maybe it's Superman, Batman symbol. I think that's what it was. So I'm like, what covers this? And my comic, my comic shop guy's like, uh, we don't know. It could be one of four covers. Well, that sucks. And then they have this one to the side of it. I'll buy that one then. I mean, but there were people coming in there buying every bag because they wanted that one variant cover. And to make sure they got it, they would buy five or six at a time. So maybe, I guess it worked. Won't work for me. Uh, and there were some books I didn't get because there wasn't a variant option unbagged. So I didn't buy it. Now, when I say variant, guys, I mean a variant cover. Like, um, this is a variant cover. The regular Deathstroke cover, I think, had Deathstroke on it, which it's the title of the fucking book. You would think he would be on it. But when there's variants, they can basically do whatever the fuck they want. So, Batman Superman was the big variant this month for all the books, all the DC books. Now, let's get back to Deathstroke itself. Deathstroke 16. Now, if you watch the show, you know that I'm a big Deathstroke fan. I always have been. Um, I love Tyler Kirkham. Tyler Kirkham, I think, is the next big hot artist. Um, He's been on this book. He is coming off this book. I don't know if 15 was his last issue or he's got two more to go before he leaves, but he's obviously leaving. And... I don't. I always like to keep the t- the tone of the show positive. Try to anyway, but uh, Paulo Pantanella, you got work to do, bro. You got work to do. When you follow big shoes like Kirkham, you got work to do. I'm just saying, uh, the arts, it's not awful. But when I'm used to seeing Kirkham be drawn by guys like Scott Campbell, uh, Tyler Kirkham, it, it, it's. It, it, it's hard It's hard to watch. It's hard to read. Now, the story has been just so-so. You got Deathstroke being, uh, he's being led around by this guy named Victor. Uh, Victor's a, a, a mercenary runner. He's got, he's got a bunch of mercenaries. He, he told Slade he knew how to find his daughter. And Slade's trusting him because he really had no, re- no reason not to and really no one else to trust to find her. He's been running the gauntlet. Had to break into Arkham. She wasn't there. Had to break into LexCorp. He, he wasn't there. Uh, fighting all these people along the way. Slade has been has ran the gamut. And it's all because of a, of a shadowy figure. Uh, what was the guy's name? Lawman. Uh, he's like this cowboy-looking dude with the skull face. He's new to me. I don't know if he's new to DC Universe or not, but he's new to me. Um, so... Finally, Slade finds out. What's cool about this book is there's a fight with he and Red Hood, uh, Deathstroke versus Red Hood. Red Hood was hired by a guy not to kill Slade, but just to rough him up a little bit. Now, like I said, Slade's been roughed up this whole storyline. Now Red Hood's messing him up. Well, then Red Hood finds out what's going on. Red Hood don't like to be played either, okay? So finally, we get to the end of the... Judas's are revealed, and at the end of the book, his search for Rose has ended, but I don't think he it ended like he thought it would. He finds out that Lawman has been behind all this. Um, 
It's just, it's kind of predictable story-wise, but I wasn't buying it for the story. Kirkham drew great action, and the story didn't suck, so therefore, the great art kind of made up for any misgivings the story had. Well, now Kirkham's gone, so now the story becomes pivotal for me, and it really kind of sucked. 5.5 for Deathstroke. Kills me because I'm a big Deathstroke fan. Big Kirkham fan. Obviously, I've said it like a thousand times. If you had a drinking game, every time I said Kirkham, you'd be fucking dead right now. So, next book we've got is Uncanny. Oh, we're going to start with the Marvel books now. Thank God. Now we're with the Marvel books. We're starting with Uncanny X-Men number four. Now, I know what you're saying. Motherfucker, that ain't new. You're right. It's not new. But I I recently, uh, my, my, my weeks were being a little light. And I say a little light, I'm like, 40 or 50 bucks. Don't, don't say nothing to my wife. Um, so I, I love Greg Land. I love him. I know some people don't. Jay Leaston is a Louisville guy. He's the anchor for Land on a lot of Land's books. So he's a Louisvillian. I like to support the cause. And I'm an X-Men fan. But it just really hasn't been a lot of good X-Men stuff. And we all know why. That's in the whole other show altogether. But uh, this Uncanny X-Men series has been really good. I got the first one. I was like, ooh, I like it. Got the second one. I was like, ooh, I like it too. So now I'm on the fourth issue. It's cool as shit. And like Greg Land, Greg Land and Frank Cho, which I have a book of his to review today too, draw the hottest chicks. Uh, Lands are more movie star beautiful. It's like every chick he draws. Now, granted, they do all kind of look alike. I know what the detractors are going to say, but with the hairstyles he gives them and their body types, they're all different enough for me, and they all still look fucking great. So, uh, let's see. Mystique, this is a great opening scene between Mystique, who's leading the Hellfire Club right now, and Phantom X. Phantom X being a cool, suave dude that he is. This chick comes up, kind of rapping to him a little bit. Phantom X ain't, ain't being played a bit. He plays into it, but he knows the whole time it's Mystique. So, basically, Phantom X is like, look, I'm here to do a job. And Mystique's like, I know, and I'm helping you. This is all you're getting. So, that's a whole other storyline. But now what we've got is the Dark Riders. Magneto and them have tracked the Dark Riders who are going around and killing mutant healers. Okay? They've got a plan in store. Um, it's... They're, they're not really anti-mutant because there's a mutant among them. It's basically survival of the fittest type of deal. So, and these are inhumans, all right? That, that's kind of revealed in this issue also. So, you've got Magneto. Uh, he's talking to the healer that they just saved. I can't remember his name. Triage. They just saved Triage. They're talking, and he's like, why didn't you let me go? And Magneto's like, I'm not serving you up to him. You're going to stay right here. You know, and Triage is like, oh, well, you know, like he doesn't trust Magneto, but Magneto's letting him know, like, look, dude, you don't have to trust me. I'm going to keep you safe because that's what we have to do right now. So the Dark Riders are there. to They go to Tibet to take out Zorn. Zorn is all like he's all Zen and shit. He's in there meditating in this like Buddhist temple. The Dark Riders come in there and Zorn's like not even sweating it, yo. He's like. Uh, would you like to sit down and have some tea? And they're like, fuck no, we don't want no tea. We're going to blow your head off. And he was like, oh, um, I would like for you to sit down and have a cup of tea. And they're like, dude, he's he's unhinged. He's lost his shit, blah, blah, blah. 
So there's a great scene where they think they get Zorn. They do not. Zorn has apparently had a late manifestation of another mutant ability. Yeah, I know. It's like, okay, we need to make this dude more interesting. I know. Let's give him another ability. Pretty cool. I'm with it. Uh, the fight is great. You got the Dark Riders taking on Zorn. And the whole time, you got Psylocke, uh, Monet, and Sabretooth. Sabretooth, I absolutely love Sabretooth. Oh, and Archangel. But Archangel's kind of like brain dead now. Like, there's nobody up there, but he's controlled by Psylocke. Psylocke can control Archangel. So, I mean, Archangel in his body is, is pretty pretty damn devastating. And they kind of use him like this drone, this killer drone. It's pretty cool. But Sabretooth has made this book for me. Um, I still haven't figured out Sabretooth's like, what's he doing? Is this this it in our is this our Sabretooth? Is this the bat the, the post battle world Sabretooth from another dimension? I'm not sure. Uh, but I'm sure I could find out. But I kind of want to be surprised. I just really like his character. He's very Wolverine-ish, as we all know, and very much on his own side. But he's right now, maybe it just behooves him to align himself with the X-Men right now. I don't know. But Monet's a character that I'm really kind of new to. I really didn't know a lot about Monet uh, other than she's fucking beautiful. Greg Land draws are just fucking amazing. For all my audio listeners, you need to you need to Google Greg Land some and, and check out some of his work if you're unfamiliar because he just makes really good-looking chicks. Now, finally, Sabretooth and him do find... Uh, the Dark Riders, they battle them, as we all know that they were going to. Monet is very upset about the death of one of the um, one of the healers that she was close with. I, I assume they had some kind of re- uh, past relationship where they were friends, lovers, I don't know. But she's going buck nuts on them. Psylocke is a handful. And then uh, they have a, the Dark Riders have a, like a, um, I don't know if he's a sentient AI or what he is, but he's called Hardwire. And they're bring Psylocke is bringing Archangel into the fray now. And, and Hardwire looks at him and goes, look at him. It might really be him returned to us. And then one of the other Dark Riders is like, head in the game, hard drive, the healer and the Magneto, they're not here. So they realize that the healers aren't the healers not there and Magneto's not there. So they basically use hardwire and teleport out. And uh they the, the our X-Men get trapped there and uh because they brought the building down to keep them from following them because the Dark Riders have a beat on the healer and Magneto. And Magneto is just like he was waiting. Magneto in the beginning of the book when he's talking to triage, they're just like out in this area and they're just they're just kind of waiting and uh it's it's psylocke reaches out to magneto and be like hey the dark riders have teleported out they know where you're at they're coming for you the dark riders are coming for you and magneto's like yes and at the end he says i know and he's like if you could see that i mean greg landjaw's a pretty badass looking magneto too Magneto's like, I know, like fucking bring it, dude. So Magneto's great in this. He's a little more stoic, not as chatty, but Magneto's been through some shit. Uh, I read his solo series. It was great. The one before Secret Wars, it was fucking great. Magneto is the uh, uh, incredible uh, anti-hero. I mean, he believes in what he's doing and he'll fucking snap your neck to prove it. 
So, uh, Uncanny X-Men, uh, I gave it an 8. Yeah, I gave it an 8. Very good. It's been an 8. It's been a 7.58 since issue 4. believe there's 6 issues out. This Wednesday, I'm getting both uh, 5 and 6. If there's another one out, I'll get it. I'll get 7. I'll give a total review for those 3 issues next week. But now I want to get to 2 books that I'm dying to review because they're fantastic they've been fantastic one has been fantastic for 17 issues so that ain't a fucking milestone i don't know what is but this one we're going to talk about first obi-wan and anakin written by charles soul and uh, this is issue number three now this is a great this i'll tell you why this book's so great a charles soul like jason aaron has he can nail the voice of a character like for me, the Star the Star Wars books, Jason Aaron knows how these characters talk. He knows what they'll say. He knows how they'll react in situations. He's just got it fucking down. He must been he must been a huge fan. Had to have been to know these characters like this. Charles Soule, which did the Chewbacca book and Lando. Yes, Lando. Lando had a five issue run uh, Star Wars book. It was fucking great. I loved it. Could not wait. Every time I seen it on the shelf each month, I was like, oh, fucking Lando's out. Charles Soule has that ability. Now, what makes this so cool is this is obviously Clone Wars stuff, okay? Because we've got Anakin and um, Obi-Wan together. Now, what's so cool about this book is they go back in time and revisit Palpatine and Anakin's time together. And I was always in the movies, I was always kind of like, how did that all go down? You know, I think all every Star Wars fan has said that. This book shines light on the, these interactions that Palpatine and Anakin had and how Palpatine is manipulating Anakin by using his past and his frustration with the Jedi Order. I mean, it's fucking classic shit, dude. Um, to sum up this book, they were on a way to a distress call. They got shot down over a planet that's at war. There are two races called the Open and the Closed. Uh, they didn't really, they have nothing to do with each other. They've hated each other since birth for something that happened hundreds of years ago. They're not even sure why anymore. Anakin and Luke, or I'm sorry, Anakin and Obi-Wan are trying to stay neutral but don't want them to kill each other but because they have somewhere else to be. And it's really not the Jedi's place to interfere with stuff like that. They were on another mission. They're basically trying to get back to that mission. Well, they realize that leaving these two is going to be worse, uh, you know, if they're not with them. They're either going to kill each other or get killed by the elements so they basically end up getting in, they end up finding common ground. Um, they they think they know why Anakin and Obi-Wan were called there. And that's still a mystery. So the close and open who've been enemies for hundreds of years, all of a sudden they're best buddies. And they're like, yeah, you guys, yeah, we'll get you to where you need to go. So something's up with that. We haven't figured that out yet. So, anyway, uh, the scene I was talking about with Palpatine and Anakin. Anakin's a Padawan, of course. Palpatine asks for Anakin for a little bit. They, the Jedi Order doesn't say no to the Chancellor, so they take he takes him to a bar, like a really racy, bad bar, where he says anybody can get anything. And there's and Anakin's like, why don't, why don't you just shut it down? And Palpatine's like, because there's a lot of senators that come here. And 
you know, Anakin's like, what do you mean? So he starts talking about the senator that basically takes money from his district that he's supposed to represent. He gambles it away and everything, but he's such a smooth talker. He gets other senators and everything to do, you know, like they all, he can get them all together to agree on things. And Palpatine's like, that's a hard guy to get rid of because he's made so many friends. Now, he's over playing uh, Baccarat or uh, what a, I forget what the game is that they play with the dice. But uh, so he's sitting there telling him that if he if he if he lost big enough, people would start to call in his accounts and he would make more enemies than he has friends. And maybe then he could get him out of the Senate. So, you know, Palpatine's sitting there telling Anakin all this while this guy's rolling and he he rolls and he's got this huge pound of money because he's on a streak. Right. So he basically lets it all ride, throws his dice comes up crats or whatever it is they say sorry senator this wasn't just this wasn't your role and he loses all of it now palpatine just starts laughing and one of the 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 senator comes over with this big bodyguard he's like what do you think so funny and he's like you know the bodyguard's like the senator asked you a question palpatine's got his hood up okay him and anakin both they're like we can't be seen here so Anakin goes to grab his lightsaber, and Palpatine's like, "No, Anakin, not here." He said, "My son just told me a joke. I'm laughing. I'm laugh. Nothing more. Now, if you release me, are you? Are, we are done here. Actually, we're just about to leave." And the senator's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, you do. Now, I don't know if Palpatine used a Jedi mind trick on him or what." So as they're leaving, Palpatine asks Anakin, "He's like." With the force, you can move things, right? And Anakin's like, yes. He goes, are you good at it? And Anakin's like, I'm the best at the Jedi Temple. He said, there's Pad- there's Padawans older than me. Or he said, I'm better at some than that than some masters. And then he said, um, could, could you use these abilities to move a cube perchance? And that was up there with throwing, they call them cubes. And Anakin didn't say anything, and you just see Palpatine smile like he's getting his hooks in. So, um, all right, then, you know, that that was the scene. It's just a small scene. It's four or five pages. I basically told you the whole fucking thing. So, uh, the next thing, you have the, the Zeppelin that they're in is attacked by these creatures. So, they're trying to, to fight off these creatures. Well, then, this mother, Pran, and this other girl who's kind of been flirting with Anakin... Uh, they basically screw Anakin. Now, I don't want to tell you what they do. And I don't mean literally, because that would be a different kind of book. That would be like some kind of Max title or something. I would buy that too. But um, yeah, their 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 little scheme, their machination that they've been playing since Anakin and, and, and Obi Wan arrived, it's coming to fruition now. So very very excited for the next issue of this. This book has been great. It's only in the third issue, so get out and get it. Next issue, Star Wars 17. Now, Lienthal Yu is the artist on this book, and when he came on this book, I was a little disappointed. We had such great artwork. Uh, I believe it was McNiven uh, that was was on this, and then they took him off and put Lienthal Yu on it. Now, his art, he's really toned it down, uh, and I think he's just getting better, to be honest. So the art has not distracted me at all. It's actually been pretty cool because this is kind of like a prison prison scene, and it needs to be a little bit darker, a little heavier on the black. I think he does that great. 
But last issue, Dr. Offer was captured by Leia and Sana Solo. Yes, I said Sana Solo. Go check out the other other issues, guys. Um, so there, she's being. It, I thought she was being broke out by Vader. Uh, come to find out, that is not what they're there to do. This is somebody, and I know who this is. I know who this this strange man is in the mask that has sent these droids in. They broke into this prison that was supposedly unfindable. Uh, uh, it's by a sun, and it's just crazy. Not even a lot of rebels know about it. That's what was the giveaway on who this guy is. If you read the Star Wars annual, which was amazing, you'll know who this guy is. This guy's badass. And evidently, what the events that that mission led him on in the annual has led to him coming to this. He wasn't there to break any prisoners out. He was there to put them down. So his droids are just massacring prisoners in their cell. The whole time, Sana and Leia are like, what the hell do we do? They've got one option. And that's to break out Dr. Afra. They got to stick together. So the, the, the chick that they imprisoned is broke out. Now, we know from last issue, Dr. Afra and Sana Solo, they have a history. Leia does not know about this history. So, man, I just, this book is great. And like I said, I don't want to give it a lot of, a lot of it away. Uh, there's great interaction between this masked man and Leia. And he lets them know that your way, you're going to lose this war with the Empire because you're not ruthless enough. We don't, they don't take prisoners. We shouldn't take prisoners. I know. I've seen it. This is how we win. So, and I, I'm sure Leia just hasn't had time to figure it out yet. But uh, great book. There's a great scene with Luke and Han. Han lost, the, they, were, they were transporting rebel, rebel goods, uh, yeah, rebel goods, rebel supplies. Han thought it would be cool to bet them all so they could double their supplies in Sabak. He loses. So now they're trying to get the money back so they can rebuy the supplies that they lost. And it's Luke, uh, Han, and Chewie at the bet. I mean, this, as dark as the prison stuff is, that's this lighthearted thing. And then. Luke goes and gets a gets a guy that wants these things smuggled, and he's like, everybody else has turned me down when they find out the cargo, and Luke's like, well, I'm not going to turn you down, and then Han finds out what the cargo is, and it's funny. Uh, it's great banner between these two guys. I mean, it, man, this is the movies, guys. I'm telling you, if you buy one book a month, it should be Star Wars. I'm a superhero guy. I'm a Star Wars fan. But I'm telling you, Star Wars is good every month, if not fucking fantastic. Uh, what I give Star Wars here? I gave it an eight. Rereading it just now, I would maybe go eight point five nine. I mean, it's eight point five nine every week. Uh, so, but I gave it an eight. Uh, just there's there's a lot of action, not a lot of story, but it, the action's great and uh, just the side story with Luke and Han. I should have gave it eight point five. I'll change that. All right. Next book. Totally Awesome Hulk. Now, you see there, um, that's Lady Hellbender and Hulk. And they've kind of developed a little little romance, I think. And then that's She-Hulk right there uh, going, Bleh. So, uh, this has been a really, really fun book. Now, Frank Cho and Greg Pak 
this has just been a great book from the first issue. Uh, Lady Hellbender has came down to Earth to round up monsters to take them back to a planet so they can roam free, so they can be monsters. Well, in her finding the Hulk, the Hulk is aiding her in getting these monsters. They had to fight. Then they realized, oh, she's not the bad guy. Or is she? And once she sees the power of the Hulk, she's like, holy shit. Hulk just took out Fing Fang Foom last issue. The monster of the universe, right? Uh, Lady Hellbender's like, oh, fuck. I don't need these other small fries. I need him. So she basically tranks Hulk. Uh, she's got this disc, and this disc tranks Hulk, or she thinks it tranks him. Uh, Amadeus chose the Hulk now, for all you that didn't know. And he's still learning about his limits, his power, and whether he can tap into it or not. Um, it's, 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 not, it's not difficult to talk about, but I, I don't want to give anything away. But he's really, he's, he's struggling with tapping into the ferocity and power of the Hulk, but still maintaining his intelligence, which Amadeus shows the fifth, sixth smartest person in the Marvel Universe. So, Cat's pretty smart. But anyway, it's, this is a great, great scene. Uh, she lets all the monsters loose on Earth because she just wants Hulk now. And Hulk's like, oh, that's not happening. Well, his sister, who's helping him, Amadeus' sister, um, she's like, look, you've got to tap into this the Hulk's primal rage. No one is stronger than the Hulk. So then you see this scene. I guess it's like in, in Amadeus's head, and he's driving this car, and the Hulk's in the back. And when he lets loose and really gets the power of the Hulk, he kind of goes feral. Well, he's like, oh, my God, this feels great. Why, you know, why haven't I opened this thing up sooner? And he's like in this metaphorical car and he's crashing into these other cars that are look like monsters. Well, he's down on earth pound and shit and he's hitting these monsters so hard. Like the Eastern seaboard, cause they're in Hawaii is crumbling. Like I said, Eastern seaboard, Hawaii is crumbling. Okay. So his sister's like, no, Amadeus, you've got to fucking calm down. You can't keep doing this. You're going to put Hawaii under the, under the ocean. So Amadeus, he, you know, he's back to in his mind and he's telling the Hulk, man, we can't do this. So, and She-Hulk has been kind of like, where's my cousin at? Where's Bruce? And he's like, look, um, you know, things happen, which are explained here. They've been giving us little snippets on how Amadeus received the Hulk's power. It's explained here. I don't want to give it away. Uh, but it is explained here how Amadeus is the new Hulk. And that's a really cool moment between Bruce and Amadeus when Bruce realizes what Amadeus has done for him. Very, very cool moment. Um, so, but anyway, Hulk, er, Amadeus ends up getting back under control and he and Lady Hellbender have a have a moment. Uh, this book's fun. The f- art is fantastic. I, Frank, Frank Cho, like I said earlier, Frank Cho, Greg Landon draw the best chicks. Frank Cho draws amazingly beautiful women that are thick and not like bodybuilder thick, like like old female bodybuilder thick, like Karina Everson and uh, Rachel McLeish. I know I'm showing my age there. If any bodybuilding fans know who those people are. They were muscular women but still looked feminine. They were still beautiful. That's how Frank Cho draws them. Um, I, I could probably find you a, a, a flash or a, a spreadsheet here, a spreadsheet, a f- 
a flash page. Um, there's one of She-Hulk. This is not a great one, but let me see if I can't find it. Lady Hellbender is, she's got this red hair. And, but I'll show you. Here's that metaphorical car I was telling you about. Amadeus is like, this is awesome. I mean, he's still a kid, you know? And, I mean, you're giving a, he's a smart kid, but you're giving a kid the power of the Hulk. And he's still got hormones. And there, here I'll show you. It's not a great picture of her, but there's, there's She-Hulk fighting. There, there she is up top. See how he gives him big arms and shoulders, but he gives him thin waist. And she's still got pretty hair. Beautiful, beautiful book. Uh, and it's fun, man. And I like it. Uh, I do like dark shit, but this is a really, really fun book. So, uh, totally awesome Hulk, number four. I gave it a eight. That's that's a that's a good that's good for that. Uh, eight eight was really really good for that book. So great book. Did you get that out of it? Uh, I really like Totally Awesome Hulk. It's totally awesome, right? Totally awesome, dude. Um, Hyperion number one. I have been wanting this book for a long time. Fans of the show know I'm a big Hyperion fan. I fucking dig him. I don't know why. Wish he had the beard back when he was rocking the L with Thor back in uh, it wasn't Secret Wars. It was the one before that Infinity. Uh, when they fought uh, the Thanos and the Black and the Black Order and them, uh, I loved it when he had the beard. Didn't have the beard anymore, and he's actually out driving a truck now. Uh, if you're reading Squadron Supreme, which you should be, because it's fucking amazing. Hyperion has a diner experience, a diner cafe, diner thing with a truck driver. And the truck driver's like, hey, man, you want to learn who you are? You want to see the world? Become a truck driver. So <laughs> I didn't think Hyperion took him literally at that moment, but he did. So he goes and buys him a fucking truck and um, ends up picking up a girl that needs a ride. He didn't really pick her up. She basically bawled and said, I know who this guy is. He can help me. So she knew who he was. And as they're driving on the truck, they have some encounters. Hyperion's doing a really good job of acting just like a regular old truck driver. She starts to doubt it. Well, then when her family, who are powered, I have no idea who this chick is. I have no idea who this family is. There's some type of circus. And she calls them circus freaks. And then that's basically what they are. They're circus freaks with abilities. They're metas with abilities. I don't know if they're mutants or what. But they come for so, basically, she's like, look, dude, you've got to do something. And Mark still waits to the last minute to show that he is Hyperion, which is basically a Superman, uh, an all-powerful Superman-type type, uh, character. I'm a big Hyperion fan. I was really, really disappointed in this. The art is really kind of hard on, on my eyes. I'm a big art fan, and uh, the art just wasn't good. Um, so, and the story was, was okay. I get it's a first story, but you really need to, to kind of grab me with it. Um, I don't know anything about this chick. And for people that don't know Hyperion, it's kind of a tough first issue. Um, a first issue of Hyperion, you need to like, you need to grab the readers and me being a Hyperion fan, I was cool with it, but other, other, other people may not be. I gave it a 6.5, maybe a 7 at the most. It's got potential. I will say that it's got potential. Now, you know my rule, three issues. I give a new series three issues. Let's get it going, all right? This issue had some action toward the end. Hyperion's full-blown Hyperion at the end of this. So let's let's see some ass kicking. Let's see some story evolve. Uh, You got two more issues. So now my next book, my highest-ranked book of the week, 
jacked. This has been an incredible journey of a middle-aged guy. Thanks, Seth Rogen. When they make this into a movie, you heard it here first on BDR. I've seen nothing on the internet. I've seen nothing tweeted about this even being thought about as a movie. Needs to be a movie. Okay? Thanks, Seth Rogen. Middle-aged guy. Uh, He's fat. He's out of shape. His kid really doesn't respect him. His wife really didn't respect him. He punted outside his coverage when he got his wife. She's pretty hot, even for an older chick. But he's he's constantly on the internet. He's jacking off all the time and shit. You know, basically a middle aged guy. It's okay. I'm I'm middle aged. I'm actually I think I'm out of middle age now. But anyway, um, I digress. Literally. So this guy has found a pill on the internet that gives him abilities. Uh, his brother talked him into it. Uh, to get something, he thought he was buying a nootropic. He ended up getting something that made him extraordinary. Super speed, super strength, healing, uh, big long erections, evidently. But what they do is, is they, at the beginning, when he first takes them, they make him uh, hallucinate a tad bit. Well, a couple issues ago, he ended up finding the creator jacked. That guy was some kind of meth dude that said, dude, there's nothing in it. There's, I mean, there's no active ingredient, but this, this, and this, and it's just to give you a little buzz. But come to find out, this certain chemical concoction actually works with this guy's DNA, this guy's biology, and it gives him super abilities. So he's befriended a, a, a woman that that lived near him. She was dating a drug dealer. He beat her. He got involved. He was trying to hide it from his family, blah, blah, blah. This is the issue where he basically goes to take those motherfuckers out because he's afraid they're going to come back and hurt his family. Well, this drug dealer, the guy that created Jack for him, this meth head, created, gave him some more, but it was not as good as his last stuff, and it's really making him hallucinate like the entire time. So it's really kind of hard to describe this book because it's kind of like a, a, a trip, like... The girl that he's with, uh, the one that he's helping, she's actually helping him like waste some of these guys. Um, he's viewing her every time he looks at her, she's Fire Girl, and he's like, "Thanks for helping me, Fire Girl." And she's like, "What the fuck? What do you mean, Fire Girl?" But he's looking at her and seeing fire. Well, then he has uh, he he has a moment where he's talking to his hemorrhoid. I know. Just stay with me on this. He's talking to his hemorrhoid, and his hemorrhoid's like, you're a fucking loser. You've always been a fucking loser, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, I'm not a goddamn loser. I'm not. Well, these faces were actually dudes that were shooting at him, and it was it's a trip, man. It's like a dude on acid, but yet he's kicking ass at the same time because he doesn't know any better. Um, so then, oh, man, this this book is a fucking trip, man. I don't know what else to say about it. Uh, it's good. The action's great. The art's really cool. It's violent. Very, very violent, uh, which I think would be a fucking fantastic radar movie uh, with Seth Rogen because the guy's funny and he's relatable and he has these abilities. He really don't know how to use them, but he spent his whole life wanting to be extraordinary, be a superhero. Well, this drug is telling him you got to get to the home theater get to the home theater and all will be revealed so when he gets to the home theater he's there his 
he's looking at himself in the home theater, and he's like, what the fuck is this? And basically, the dude's like, I'm you, stupid, and you spent your whole life wanting to be super. How about just trying to be good? We all just try to be good. If you're trying to be good, you end up being super because that's what a superhero would do. So he kind of has in this drug-idled craze, he has this epiphany. And the whole way for him to get to the home theater room was so he could have this self-realization moment about himself. It's fucking crazy, man. But does it sound cool? That sounds cool. Uh, And trust me, I did a horrible job of explaining it just now. So read this. Uh, I, I gave it a nine. Uh, they've all been nines in my book. They've been great, great fucking books. This is five out of six. So there's only six issues, man. Fucking get that shit. It's amazing. It's a great, great book. Uh, uh, the, what got me turned on to it was Eric Kripke, who is the creator of Supernatural, uh, which I love Supernatural, uh, Sam and Dean are, are my fucking boys, um, love that show, when I heard he was getting into comic books, I'm like, oh, that's a must buy for me, and I've not been disappointed, and I tell you, I don't know, if, if, if Eric, if you're watching the show, so no, you fucking ain't, if you had Seth Rogen in mind for this, you gotta fucking tell me, because I read this, and it screams Seth Rogen, his humor, his build, his his relatability, I think it would just be a great fit. But that's a great book. Very, very high marks. It's a nine. Uh, and guys, um, please check me out on Blog Talk Radio. We're going to put up several episodes. Hopefully, those will be done in the next couple of days. Mike, make that happen for me, please, sir. Uh, you're great. I love you. Um, visit the GiantSizeTeamUp.com. There's, there's all kinds of shows that deal with DC TV movies, Marvel TV movies, uh, video games. There's a breaking the panel where they just kind of go over the all, all the ins and outs of what's going on in geekdom. You're going to find a show that you want, people. I promise you. And please tune into BlazingDefenderReport.com on Blog Talk or on, on, on my website, uh, check out my YouTube channel. I've got the, the Superman Batman review. You're not going to want to miss this, especially if you've been hearing all these bad reviews. I'm telling you, I think I can refute every bad review I've read. Um, and we'll get into all that. And I'm not even going to tell you what Sam thought about the movie because we may have different opinions. And we actually do have different opinions on some things we agree on others. It's going to be a great show. So please check that out. It's called Meatheads on Movies. Um, you're going to want to see it. Guys, with that, if you made it this far, an hour and two minutes into it, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you for making me a part of your week. Uh, when you're on Blog Talk, plug your plug your phone into your car. When you're on a long drive, you're mowing the fucking grass. Whatever, man. Plug me in. I'll keep you up to date on what's going on in the world of, of nerddom, of geekdom. I live it every fucking day. It's a great time to be a fucking nerd. Join me, man. Let me take you through the journey. Let's go together. Uh, if you got any questions, please hit, hit me up on Blazing Defender at Twitter, Blazing Defender at Instagram, BlazingDefenderReport.com. You get the fucking idea. Blazing Defender. Google that shit. Hashtag it. Whatever. You'll find me. Uh, please hit me up. I'd love to know any feedback you have. And, guys, with that, hope you had a great Easter. Uh, I'm going to enjoy the shit out of myself tomorrow being my birthday. And with that, guys, the Blazing Defender is out. Peace. Peace.